Welcome to the Cosmic Business Podcast. I'm Paula Crossfield, a Vedic astrologer, business coach, and CEO of Weave Your Bliss, a company with the goal to help a million spirit-led entrepreneurs build a cosmic business around their genius so that they can earn wildly well and bankroll the change they want to see in the world. A cosmic business is a new paradigm business that believes in collaboration over competition, building a business around your unique genius, aligning to the planets and your intuition, leading with your values, putting your health and the health of the planet first, treating people fairly and building giving into your business model. Sounds fabulous, right? On this show, I will take you behind the scenes of my thriving multi-six-figure business, including strategy on closing more sales, nurturing your community online, plus astrological insights to optimize your business and life. We'll also feature conversations with spirit-led business owners, creatives, and change makers to inspire you. I'm coming to you from our regenerative farm in rural Maine, my happy place, where we are currently creating space to welcome community for retreat and earth reconnection. Let's jump into the conversation. Hello, my friends. Welcome to today's episode of the podcast. I have a very special interview to share with you today with my client, yoga teacher and Dharma igniter, Brooke Sullivan. I will tell you much more about Brooke here in a moment. But first, I want to let you know in this episode, we discussed sacred technologies and how they help us to heal, get empowered and step into our Dharma, the power of plants to heal and reconnect us to our true essence. And you won't want to miss the story that Brooke tells. So powerful. It really shows you that she is absolutely in her Dharma working with plants. Also, how Brooke and I work together, what that looked like. And how our work allowed her to really organize her gifts into an offering that helped her make $90,000 in 21 days. And if you are listening to this interview and you're like, I want results like these, and you're a spirit-led business owner who is committed to filling your cup and helping change the world in a powerful way with your work, I want to invite you to join my year-long high-support cosmic business mastermind, which begins on March 4th where you will get my personalized support, including my eyes on your content, your copy, your message, one-on-one strategic and astrological support. So I will get to know your chart. I will help advise you throughout the year on how you can apply that in your business. And also you'll get hands-on support with refining your message so that you are attracting those ideal clients with ease. This makes your business so much more spacious. Okay. This program has all of my tools to help you refine your niche, create winning offers, market with ease, know your numbers, and create a pathway for your financial success. And I give you a personalized approach so that you don't feel overwhelmed. So you can go to the link in the show notes for more information about the mastermind. You can also book a call with me and I will look at your birth chart in advance and I'll go through your business because you share a little bit of details about that in the booking. And we will talk and see if it feels like a good fit. This program is limited to 10 people. I've reduced it from 20 because I really want to give you guys personalized support. As of this recording, there's only six spots left. There's several people considering spots. So those may be less by the time you hear this. And it is the only way to work with me one-on-one this year on your business. I am really calling in the 10 business owners who want to step into this transformative process and are ready to up-level. So if you were considering it, 
You don't want to miss this interview as Brooke goes into a lot of detail about how we work together and how it helped her to create her powerful offering and now offerings. (laughs) Okay, so more about today's guest. Brooke Sullivan is a Dharma igniter and a rebellious paradigm shifter who rests on the shoulders of tradition. With the twilight alchemy of Tantra yoga, which she talks about in this episode, herbalism, and wise woman mysticism, she empowers spirit-led changemakers, wellness professionals, and aspiring leaders to step into the most powerful vision of themselves and live a life of greater joy and impact. Brooke is the founder and director of the Wild Temple School of Yoga and Herbal Wisdom and hosts the Wild Temple Podcast. Her most well-known running program is the Sage Apprenticeship, Plants Drop Wisdom, Yogi's Apothecary, and Wild Sage, A Dharmic Revolution. Her mission in life is to burn karma and serve dharma. So without further ado, here is my interview with Brooke. Enjoy. Hi, Brooke. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Paula. Glad to be here. I'm so glad to have you here. We were just talking before this about how we're both kind of getting over some sickness. So we're, you know, my voice sounds a little bit huskier than normal. So (laughs) we are showing up as we are to have this wonderful conversation about something we both love. Well, some things we both love like Tantra, Mantra, Nature, how these all kind of come together. So I, I can't wait to jump into all of that with you. Um, And since you're a client, so somebody I've been working with since the fall, I kind of wanted to zoom out first and talk about, because I think this will be a nice way to like lead into the work that you do, um, is just by talking about like how we came together and where you were at in your business and like what was going on that made you feel like you needed support. Absolutely. I think it was really wonderful. Often we, we receive the things that we're needing. We receive the people and the teachers that we sometimes don't even know we're calling in or ready for. And I wasn't looking for a coach. (laughs) However, I I did find your podcast and you were offering a cosmic business salon, I believe is what you were calling it. And so in listening to it, I was realizing, wow, well, I've been running a school on my own, pretty much doing everything, wearing all the hats since 2009. And that's a long time carrying all of that weight. And I've had wonderful assistance, but nobody's been trained in the the real easeful business that you are, you know, such an expert at. And so in listening to your talks and the people that you were interviewing, I started to get a really clear understanding of the parts of my work that I was missing. And I didn't I would just say the clear understanding was that I was missing parts, <laughs> but I wasn't really sure they were and how to organize it. And so I decided to jump in and it was the first time I'd ever worked with a business coach. I'd ever worked with someone one-on-one, but I recognized like in, in this line of work, I, I recognized that I work really well with a mentor. I'm, I'm a natural apprentice to many teachers. I, I've learned a lot of my tantra, yoga, herbalism. And I really value the transmission. I think that it's direct, it's efficient, and it can take you in an accelerated pace to your goal. And that's very tantric. So I'm, I'm, I'm down. And the fact that you, right, you are 
very much in line with all of this tantric, yogic, and jyotish wisdom that it was a no-brainer for me. I was like, okay, I'm going to work with Paula. But what I would share is that when I started to work with you, I felt like I was completely overwhelmed in my years of having run this school, kind of studying marketing and Instagram technology, like all of the social um, media technology. Yeah. Marketing spaces. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and how they're changing so rapidly. And so all of these pieces, it's just, it's overwhelming when you're trying to learn them and implement them and also being the teacher and, you know, the, the person that's working one-on-one with your students or your clients. So just a lot. And when I was first starting to work with you, I came in at this place of overwhelm and recognizing that I wanted to do things differently to re basically rewire my school. I was also going through my own healing and rewiring my brain and my nervous system. And through the past couple of years, I would say even prior to the pandemic, I was recognizing that the toll this was taking on my mind and my body. So I was slowing things down, doing a lot of implementing the work that I know works which takes time. You have to step away a little bit, strengthen your habits, get your rest on. And so I I realized that that rewiring needed to be reflected in my school and how I manage my business. And so I knew you had the keys to help me rewire things. And the other piece that really spoke to me was, I'm, you know, I'm 48. I'm only going to be on this planet for X amount of time. And what I see going on in the world is we will not have a beautiful world to live in if we don't step up, if we don't really start to learn right how to take care of our our environment and our own bodies because they're mirrors of one another. And so I really felt that the work that I would be doing with you would help me step into my values of giving back to nature in some way. And I, I wasn't really yeah. sure how to, you know, how to blend it all. I love that. And when you came to me, I just recognized something. So many of my clients, they have lots of skills. You know, they have lots of amazing talents and they've helped people make major transformations in their life, you know, and like you, they're often overwhelmed. Either they're not making enough money or they're working too hard or both, or, you know, they're doing many different things. And so it becomes hard to get known for something, right? And so you and I talked through that a lot. It's like you had this whole system. You know, we were talking about how can we organize that system so someone comes into your world and they know how to go from step one to step two to step three. So they're in your ecosystem and you're really helping them like level up in each of these different ways, you know? And so it's just such a pleasure to feature you because you are like so many people out there who are trying to figure out like, I want to keep this interesting for me. So I want to teach a variety of things, but I also want to help people make real transformation so they can step up so that they can help us at the stage that we're in. So maybe you can talk a little bit more about like, like the nuts and bolts, because you had a lot of different programs when you came to me and maybe tell us about the program that we developed together. Yeah. And I, I would say valid. I've, I've seen some of the people that you work with and it's true. You, you have some pretty power, pretty powerful powerhouses out there. And so I'm, I'm, we're all so lucky to have you helping us organize so we can really have good impact in the world. And yeah, I would say when I came to you, I was running a flower essence training certification program to 
yoga programs. One was the foundational 200 hour. The other, other one was the 300 hour advanced yoga program. And I would say those were my main income programs. So kind of the backbone of how I survive and all of these other programs in between, like just teaching yoga once a week in my community or offering mantra practices, which I don't like to charge for because that to me is just a spiritual practice and I want to give that back. So it was just all these moving pieces and I didn't have the understanding of how to gradate them in a way that it's like the smaller programs lead into the larger ones and doing it systematically in a way that it follows a course of a year or two years. I kind of did, but I wasn't linking it in into my sales and how I was directing my speech. And I wasn't nurturing my students to move from one thing to the next. I was more coming from this uh, in the in the light of, if this interests you, hop into this. You know, I'm not going to push you. If you're a uh, flower essence, if you're interested in flowers and you're a gardener, I'm not going to push yoga on you. If you're also like, oh, I want to now explore yoga then absolutely, you're welcome to come into that course. But what you helped me see were were these elements that were really what I was offering in each of the programs. And these elements are helping people become empowered to step into their dharma. And dharma in this light, meaning you're not your like your vocation, not just your path. It's more your soul alignment, like how you are utilizing your skills and talents in a way that you can burn your obstacles and heal your own wounds. That's that self-mastery piece. I call it burning karma and serving dharma. And when we do that, you start to realize, okay, well, only I have these unique talents and skills and interests that blend into this one beautiful soup. And when I offer right in this beautiful like cooking pot with all of the garnishes and all the colors and vibrancy the world is like hungry for it you know that's living karma right and and a lot of people need the courage like sometimes we have all of the awareness of yes these are the things that i offer and these are my sacred wounds that i'm healing but how do i get from a to b so you helped me recognize that within my flower essence course i was teaching that i was teaching how to do it with plants from gross level of plants and material, right? We have teas and tinctures, and then we can work with the subtle vibrations of plants to get more into the mind, the body, and even our spirit. And that these plants help to support then the yogic path where a lot of people, you need that physical body support to even start to feel comfortable sitting in meditation or breathing or working with sacred texts and understanding the ancient wisdom. It's like we need this nature support. We need to sit by the trees, smell the aromatics. And then we start to tune into a higher vibration of, I want to learn more. It was natural that you helped me see there was this through line. And then in weaving that through line together, and you know, I'll just share for a moment that when you would have me do my homework, when we first started to work together, you uh, guided me to find my niche, which I thought was ironic because from the beginning, I've always known what it is. It's weaving Tantra yoga and plants together. But I didn't really understand that my niche was also directed towards purpose, helping empower people in their purpose, and that it could be held by nature itself. Like I could be held in my offerings by the rhythms of nature in a way that this is also my niche. So I think I, I shared with you all during our, our time together, I actually took 
many camping trips. I would go by my favorite place in the and I would do all this heady work of interviewing my students and looking back at the you know years, decades that I've been practicing this and years, like 15 years of running the school and looking at what is really working for people. And so it was this deep dive into really understanding and weeding out what's working, what's not. It was bittersweet. It was painful because it was hard work, but it was also so revealing and so empowering for me to realize oh my God, what I'm doing is actually working for people. And so I was getting such amazing feedback of what you have offered me, Brooke. I wouldn't be able to do what I do now if it weren't for you, right? So like my one student way back when, and I sold my business too, and I trained her, Camille Craft, she runs Vital Mystic now. She said to me, Brooke, I wouldn't have the capacity that I have right now to hold the space for the people that I work with, which is a very large capacity, if you hadn't taught me about Tantra and helping me step into my Dharma. So that's what you really helped me with was, okay, we're working one-on-one. This is a high investment. I am not going to waste my time or money. (laughs) So I am focused these three months and I went camping and I would do the work and I would then swim it off and I would paddleboard and I would just you know, with bilateral symmetry, I would integrate everything that I was doing, moved into a higher level of knowing. And then in that kind of meditative sphere of knowing, I would reflect back and be like, is this correct? Is this feeling good in my heart? And so that's what it was. You helped me with the clear seeing of finding my niche in a manner that I could step into my Dharma to help serve others' Dharmas with the support of nature and nature being my most valued, you know, my guru. And I am, you know, I'm such a devotee of nature. So. Right. Oh my gosh. I love all of that. And I just, I feel like I want to pull out so many things. Like, first of all, you giving yourself the medicine of your work, you being out in nature to integrate and using the tools that you teach to integrate all of the stuff. It's so important. It's so beautiful. Um, so I just want to underline that, you know, that like, that's, that's key. And then you just have this beautiful way of helping us to re-engage with nature, feel the re like reanimate our relationship to nature. Cause a lot of us care about nature. We really deeply care. And maybe we spend too much time behind a screen. I'm definitely guilty of that. But like how do we start to see nature as a an, an animate force that we can co-create with? You know, we may do mantra practice. I do mantra practice in my house, you know. <laughs> I will, you know, light some incense on my altar. And that is part of interacting with nature. But it's a whole other thing to actually like go outside and obviously I have a farm and I'm growing things on the farm. But, you know, I just think about like when we first started working together and you were kind of excavating different stories that kind of showed this. And you were talking about a particular um, person that you worked with who had perceived a certain plant as a weed. And when you went out into nature, like into wild nature, and you reintroduced him to this plant, and he started to have a really deep relationship with this plant, maybe, maybe you can like tell us what what I'm referring to in more words, but how that changed him, you know, so like you have this magical way that you can help people kind of re relate to nature, empower themselves through that relationship. I love that you bring that up. That that was such a magical experience. And that's one of thousands, it feels like, but it was so potent. This was in Northern California. I was leading a plant walk 
One of my students who had been studying with me just the 200-hour yoga was then stepping into my more advanced yoga. So now I'm bringing people a little more into the subtle realms of plants, but by meeting the plants. So each plant has, just like us, a dharma. It has a purpose. It has a unique structure and a unique makeup. It has its particular medicinal values on a physical level when we partake with it, right, and ingest it. But then we can learn about the medicine of the plant. It's higher spirit. It's awakened life force by sitting with it, meditating with it, just observing it. And so on this particular plant walk, wild oat was growing everywhere. And so I had them actually pull the little milky seeds, which look like these kind of birds of paradise, but a little like straw <laughs> colored birds of paradise. green, And then when they dry out, they kind of whoosh, they, they make these like little bird of paradise looking things. But while you are, it's just about a three day window and the milky seed sage of the oats, you can easily pull them off and then squish them and it'll make this uh, kind of latex squeeze out, out on your fingers. And that's the medicine that we would take in like a tincture form. So you want to you wanna harness that as it is right then, because once it dries up, you, you won't get that same medicine. It turns then into more like you're getting silica and other, other constituents that are good for like hair, skin and nails. But that milky part of the oats is like mother's milk. It's nature's, nature's milk for your nervous system. And so this particular gentleman was in recovery and he was a bit high strung and could tend towards anger and impatience. And so learning about this plant, first of all, he was getting really excited about just the ability to have a plant that he recognized grew everywhere, all over his land. He had about 20, 30 acres. He was excited about that piece. But then when we actually sat with it, so I have people meditate. And this is something that I've learned through my teachers as we meditate with the plants. And then without saying anything, we just, you know, jot everything down. We look at the patterns, we get the impressions that maybe come as an, an image or a story or words, and we write them all down. And then we share in a circle, like what, did, what came up for you? So that's what we were doing. And everybody always has the very, a very similar story or share. It's uncanny and really is clearly saying nature's talking to us. You know, this plant is telling us. Nobody was going to their phones and Googling real, real quick and looking up what the flower essence of of milky oats is about or the vibrational essence of of oats are about. And they were all realizing that it was, you know, it's a Dharma plant. It's one that helps you reveal your own life purpose and how you can step into you in a way that's out of the traditional boxes or even mainstream boxes. And so it's one that I often work with with people. And he was just so psyched. And he went home and he has four boys. They're all farmers. And they were ganja growers. So it was like, you know, just this big ganja business at their house, but also other, you know, just farmers and they grew food too. And a lot of what I saw when I worked in Northern California, I had a lot of clients that were ganja growers. And this was back a little bit before it was legal. (laughs) But so it was also very secretive and people didn't want to talk about it. But what was interesting is the relationships were very manipulative, appropriating, and one-sided. So there wasn't a give back to nature. And we would even see how people would do their farming often wouldn't be with organic materials, it would be toxic materials, and we'd see waste in the side of the road, all kinds, you know, it was, it was awful. So 
I was working with other people to really just help help people understand that nature is a living entity and we are nature. We are not separate from nature. And the more we abuse her, the more we're abusing ourselves. And so it just really, it stuck with him. Just learning that, just sitting with the plant. It was almost like the plant took over for me, which is probably what happened. And then help him, which his dharma is healing his family lineage. So this went into a deep ancestral healing and a future healing. So he has four boys and then he's grandpapa to all these grandbabies. And he started to teach all of his boys about what I was teaching from class about the plants of their land. And they started to utilize that. They stopped just whacking everything down. They let things grow. They started to talk to their plants. And then every year, so for years, he'd come back to me and said, Brooke, you don't even understand. Like our gardens are bigger and better than everyone around us. Like it has to be because we have to ship with them now. Yeah. So it was, it was incredible. I love that story so much because it just shows you that you have such a big impact that you can't even see. You know, there's such a huge ripple effect when you are in your Dharma and you're really showing people because obviously people listening know that you are in your Dharma when you're working with plants, Brooke. Like, it just the way that you talk about it, you know, you, the way you light up. And I think these are clues when we're thinking about what is our Dharma, you know, <laughs> we can use tools to find out or to kind of assess, but like what really lights you up, you know? So it's just amazing because when you step in your Dharma and you're helping people, the ripple effect is huge. And like when we were talking earlier about, you know, your, you know, major concern as of, how we treat nature and that there may not actually be nature here if we don't step into our purpose. You're actually like embodying that by basically making... And I think you said something about nature protectors. We worked on this word a lot, like as one of the kind of categories of people that you help. It's like people who want to really become those kind of nature protectors, right? So you're kind of empowering people, whether they're fully aware of it or not, they're going to become a nature protector through working with you, right? Absolutely. I love that. Yeah, we're on a secret mission. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Let's talk a little bit more about sacred technologies. Because when we talk about, you know, what you've just shared, like, there's the relationship to the plant. And then I know you work with like flower essences, you work with mantra, there's all these different things. So can you talk about like, what is a sacred technology to you? And and maybe share a little bit more about some of the sacred technologies that you teach. Thank you so much for allowing me to have the mic for this one, because I feel it does need to be unpacked. And Mm. I would start with sacred. So what I feel to be sacred is anything of value or worth. And if you were to look up worship in the dictionary, the root word of worship is actually worth. So when we feel that something is of value and we we find it worthy, we honor it. And I believe that that is important for our bodies, which are nature, and our greater nature, the phenomenal world we live in. And then technology is basically a science or a methodology that achieves a goal, right? It's a system that you can utilize to have benefit. And so sacred technologies are really not necessarily all scientific and what we see in the mainstream, but drawing more from ancient wisdom for practical modern uses. And I'd like to start off with just a couple of quotes from 
a couple of futurists that were also inventors and systems theorists. One was Buckminster Fuller, and you, you probably know of these quotes. And he said that you never change things by fighting existing reality, that to change something, you want to build a new model that makes the existing one obsolete. Right. And so that's what we're really needing to look at other ways of healing our planet, how we relate to one another as communities, as cultures, how we show up in the world. So much needs to be really recreated, not necessarily like, like we got to build on what's being built right now. And I would say that that's the truth for modern world because a lot of our modern society has been built on dysfunction and intergenerational trauma, whereas the sacred wisdom and the sacred technologies are so ancient and cyclical that they hold a lot of the answers. So in this way, we can stand on the shoulders of the sages or build from the wisdom of our indigenous ancestors, and that would actually produce a new reality. But if we try to do the same thing, you know, trying to work with our healthcare system as is and just building upon it, I don't think that's going to work, right? There's sickness embedded in our systems. So the other quote that I feel is really relevant to this is by the futurist. And also he's a science writer and science fiction writer, Arthur C. Clarke. So you might have heard of this one too, which is that any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And this again, right, where our sacred technologies come in, to me, they're tools of Tantra. So Tantra in the East, it's considered magic. In the West, it's considered sex, right? Or an excuse to have good sex play, whatever you want. So sure, whatever. How that's Both of those are just little tiny pieces of this vast wisdom science. And Tantra is truly a technology. It's one of the definitions of Tantra that offers a lot of tools and methodologies to get you to where you want to go. And one of the key teachings in Tantra is that if you are to use, say for your own body, yoga asana, weave it with mantra or mantra japa, weave that with like aligned or correct for you, whatever that goal is, breath work, so pranayama. If you were to weave all three together, you are going to create a new reality for yourself. If you were in a bad mood, if you were low energy, um, you can actually have a formula that will move you from that place of dull, heavy, whatever, into that feeling better, feeling more whole. So that's the, I feel like I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, no. I mean, this is all amazing. You know, it's like, I always say that my business runs on mantras. Like I could not do this work. You know, people ask me like, how do you do as much as you do? Well, I have support, I have systems and I have mantras, right? <laughs> like if I didn't have those three things, I would be burned out. I definitely like, I credit that with my ability to kind of work efficiently and make things happen in my business. It's like a, we're retrieving our own power. We're tapping into like the power of the goddess, you know, this energy of the earth, right? And that's all kind of going back into then like, how do we relate to the actual forms of nature? You know, it's like we're getting underneath the forms with the mantra and then we're interacting with the form in the form of like, yarrow or rosemary. <laughs> yes. And thank you. You helped me get back to my train of thought too. 
So when we're working with the, the formulas for the body, even including the plants, yeah, we can create this whole new reality. But when we're also working with mantra, for example, like we're working in my school with a mantra from the Rig Veda called the Sri Sukta, and it culminates in fire ceremony. And that fire ceremony includes the mantra itself, but with swaha. So we offer it into the fire and a blend of herbs. So those herbs have particular dharmas, right? And healing potencies. And also sesame is in there. So sesame is a rejuvenative. It's bala, brings strength. It also helps to increase that potency of the wisdom of fire. So when we weave all these things together in a methodology that the ancients have set for us, so there are stepping stones, there is a system laid out. When we do that, we actually can create a new reality. And this is called Apurva in Tantra, A-P-U-R-V-A. So that's a large part of when I realized this, wow, we can create a new reality through doing these techniques, these sacred technologies, there's hope, right? We actually have hope. And it's not something that we can find in our everyday educational system. These are well-guarded secrets and well-guarded teachings that have been held close to heart for thousands upon thousands of years. And what I feel is so potent right now is the teachings are being taken out of the caves and given to people that can can hold them because they're powerful and are wise enough to know there's a methodology that has to go along with this. You can't just give someone this power tool right? They could saw their hand right off. You know, they need to know how to use it, the skill, how to apply it. And in that application, then we can together create this apurva, this um, Mm. new reality that then makes that old one obsolete. It's so cool. I just love it. I mean, I think there is a lot that is coming forward right now. And I think the, the main thing is like, how do we approach it sincerely? How do we approach it with humility? How do we approach it with curiosity. What I find is when I go out, because we have 160 acres here, we've got forest and it's all regenerating because honestly, it hasn't been taken care of. You know, like uh, maybe 15 years ago, they clear cut our forest. I mean, it's devastating when you go out there. You're just like, it's it's exciting because it is regenerating, but it's just so sad that people felt like that was how they should interact with the land. But this idea of like approaching all of all of this land, we are stewards of this land, but being in nature helps to like re-engage that curiosity. It, it re-engages almost a sense of awe, a sense of like our place within the cosmos. And it helps actually balance, I think, so that when, when I come back to, we do Lakota ceremony on our land. So we do sweat lodge. We also do fire ceremony. When we're doing these ceremonies, that that like grounding in nature helps us to come back to ethereal realms with more grounding, I guess you could say. So I, I just appreciate like seeing how all these things work together. Like in your work, you really embody how these things all work together. I think that's key to what you just said, Paula. It's like this, I frame it as grounded spirituality, which I think is is a big part of what people are missing. I think I did that for a long time. And that's why I know how not to do that, right? We often learn from our mistakes. But our spiritual progress and our spiritual growth has to be grounded in the soil of some 
anchor, some stability, and a methodology, a technology can offer that. And when we're not fully in understanding of what it is that we're doing, and we just, for example, show up to a power yoga class, what's happening is a lot, a lot of our aspiring yogis or even just people that are interested in yoga are having these kundalini awakenings and experiences that are incredibly destabilizing and they're not understanding why, you know, what's going on. And what Tantra teaches is this understanding of power, this right use of power, the importance of grounding, and just honestly the basics, which is where Ayurveda is so important in the Tantric methodology. You have to know Ayurveda if you're studying yoga. I'm a very firm believer with this. You have to understand that you need to have good daily rhythms, (laughs) sleeping well, digesting well, you know, so even if it's not Ayurveda, something akin to that. So Unani medicine or some kind of holistic lifestyle rhythm and routine, vitalist herbalism is another one. When you have those set in place, then you can start to bring in these energies. And really what we're doing when we're shaping our bodies and working with our breath is we're manipulating the energies. And so when we're not solid in our physical body, when we're not, I would say, optimum in our nervous systems, we do harm to ourselves. And then this is actually making us weaker. And so I've found that so many people that have come to yoga, my friend Kovari Weber, she's amazing. She's like on the um, IAYT board, I think. I'm not sure. Medical associations. But she, she was sharing with me that a lot of people kind of jokingly call yoga studios as being psych wards. You get a lot of people, right, showing up, looking to heal their issues and their traumas through yoga. And yes, yoga can support, but there is so much that having actually gone through therapy needs to be done first prior to doing yoga or at least tandem because it can just be very destabilizing. And then I would say the same thing with Ayurveda. Like if you don't have these right, uh, just regular body practices, which you use the word embodied, we need to get into our body. This is just like getting into nature. We need to embody nature in a way that we start to remember the ground and that that's the guru, that's the heaviness, right? We are grounded into ourselves, grounded into her. And then from that grounding, we can then evolve. So I'm just thinking about your chart since, you know, we've been working together for a while. I've been going deep into your chart and like just as people are listening, those of you who may have some exposure to Vedic astrology, Brooke has a really rich eighth house. Like there's a lot of, there's Venus and and moon and sun, right? And she's, you know, got Jupiter aspecting. So there's just this really powerful sense of the eighth house, which is the house that rules Tantra. It's the unseen, right? It's the processing of deep material. It's the working through of our ancestor karma, you know? So it's, it's just really powerful to see how that expresses through you. And I'm sure it wasn't always easy. You know, when we're younger, we have a hard time with the eighth house. You know, it's got to be digested. But when we're able to like fully embrace that digestion process, I won't say that digestion process just finishes at some point. But when we're able to like be on the surfboard instead of like being tossed by the waves, then it has this potential to really transform us and help us to transform others, especially with that that Jupiter in the fourth aspecting onto it. So... 
I don't know if you have anything you want to share about that, like being an eighth house person. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, you know, I'd like to bring it back to you and just say thank you so much because this was part of when we first started to work together. I was doing the deep dive into, you know, really clearing imposter syndrome, I guess. You know, I wanted to make sure if I'm going to continue on to this work, I want to do it with utmost authenticity. I want to actually know that myself as an American white woman has the audacity <laughs> to step in and actually call myself a tantric teacher. You know, I had to really go through, reached out to my my teacher who is Indian and he comes from the lands of Tantra is Pandit Rajmani Tegunaya, the spiritual head of the Himalayan tradition, the Himalayan Institute of Yoga Science and Philosophy. I've been studying with him for um, a long time. And I went to him and said, oh, you know, I'm wanting to do this work where I'm weaving in the plants. And I see this as Shakta, the Shakta tradition. Is this truly the Shakta tradition? Which to me feels like it's blending the koshas. It's blending the pranavayus, which are working with energy. It's a study of the goddesses. It's the actual application of awakening kundalini in a method, in the methodology that we call twilight alchemy or, the, or tantric alchemy. Is this okay? You know, can I be the one that's bringing? And he's like looking at me like, yes, do this. Yes, call it tantric herbalism. You know, because he knows that I've been just an, an extreme devotee of this lineage. And even though I'm not in the bloodline now, and I have, a, you know, I'm a, a, a white body, and I live right now in North Carolina, you know. My soul is in India and I have led so many retreats to India and I, you know, I'm, I'm so connected to the land and the temples and the culture and the people and the teachings, everything there that I'm, you know, must be like a, an inherited spiritual ancestor of some kind, right? So when I came to you, I felt really like almost... Um, Paula, is, is this okay that I teach Tantra? <laughs> like, who am I? What does it say, say in my charts? And you're just like, who are you not to? Girl, you had an activated eighth house for the majority of your life. You have walked to Tantra. You've experienced this for, you know, I don't remember what you said, like 30 something years. And when you said that, it was just like, that's Jyotish to me. Jyotish is not defined as astrology. I just did a, a podcast episode with uh, Dr. Katie Jane, and she gave a, a wonderful definition of really, you know, when we're defining Jyotish, first of all, we got to really look at this word astrology because Jyotish is not necessarily astrology. I really love that. It's clear seeing. And so you brought me into this lens of clearly seeing myself, which is Dharma, right? Often like who we are and our talents and what we're meant to be doing is right in front of our face. And we're still like, and where are we? What am I doing? <laughs> so you were, you lifted the veils and was really just very clear in, yeah, who are you not to be doing this? And to me, that kind of courage is stepping out of the box and the paradigm and what other people expect, what other people expect, or what other people might look down upon. Part of what I've realized and recognized, and this is what almost shied me away from even teaching was in 2020, I was sickened by the wellness community, how the yoga community showed up for 2020 and black, right, black rights and Black Lives Matters and everything. I was so nauseous. There was so much spiritual bypassing, even in my own community, that I was like, what have I been doing? If I have I not been teaching, you know, that all of us are of equal importance. We all have a right to be here and stand in our truth and step up and 
you know, shine as we have been made to shine. Like it, it makes, it fills me with just a lot of like, Oh, I can't align with people who call themselves yogis here in the West. Like it doesn't feel good to me. And so that was a big part of having to realize, well, I've never really liked teaching in yoga studios. I, I usually, I'm a, um, you know, I'm doing my own thing and it's always, I'm a forest yogini. So I'm bringing people in nature. I've, I've always done it a little bit differently and really aligned with how I feel traditional, authentic Tantra yoga is. And I try to bring the teachings through unadulterated. And so you sharing that with me with the eighth house really allowed me to see again to you. And I was born on like the, the no moon time. So I have a really, I can feel invisible often. And my, I guess my son and my moon, I don't know, there's something there where, right, I have to do a lot to like feel like I'm being seen. And a big part of me just wants to hide and just honestly, just to be a yogi and a practitioner. But I'll, I'll just like to add to this, the other piece of my chart that really goes along with how you have helped me step into my dharma and the work I'm doing is based off of my rising sign, which is in Capricorn in the Nakshatra Uttara Ashada. And so Uttara Ashada is the very slow Saturnian building, building all of these life skills and having like many different talents, but being able to put them together in a way that creates a legacy. And what I know about Uttara Ashada is that when it is undigested, as you say, when it is kind of lower vibration, or you haven't really stepped into that power of you, you're scattered, you're overwhelmed, and you're disorganized. And so my work with you, and I would say, yes, please work with Paula. She's amazing. I work with you. You helped me realize I was looking at things from the out, from the inside out instead of the outside in. You helped me put on my own Dharma glasses of this is my niche. Anything that I'm going to talk about or sell or program that I'm going to share with a client or student comes from my rose-colored glasses of my dharma, which is valuing nature at the, at the forefront. And I'm speaking to yoga practitioners, wellness professionals, and spirit-led change makers who all love nature. And we're working through tantric alchemy and utilizing these sacred technologies to help you step into your purpose. And when I got those glasses right? My Uttara Ashada became exalted. That's when I feel like, oh, my legacy is coming into place, right? And my rewiring my school started to happen. And, you know, it culminated. And I think I did a 21 day launch. And I filled my program. And I don't know if I should share how much money I made, but I made more money 10 times more. Yeah, well, I'm still, you know, people are making payments, but I went from, um, not making this much to 90k in 21 days, which enabled me to take the break I needed to actually really build this program and be with my apprentices in a way that's of the high, like my highest level. I'm taking the time to record the videos and organize the structure. And I'm not having to run all these little tiny programs to do that. But it's enabling me to support my family, to pay mortgage, right? To contribute to the household and have the breathing space to not have to teach all these other programs while I'm really catering to my apprentices. And the things that I'm offering on the side are free. Like this mantra, I just, 
I blew up. I don't know if that's the right, right way to say it, but I just unleashed, unleashed a practice that before I would get six people, seven people, but because now there's just like so much clarity in my values and I'm wearing these Dharma glasses now that I opened up this program. It's a mantra chanting program called Enchanting Nature to work with the forces of nature to help support nature. And it's a tantric practice. So I'm teaching people from the ground up and we culminate in eight days of fire, which is so exciting. It's a nine day, nine month practice and I'm offering it for free. I'm offering it well by donation, but the donation is to give back to nature and to, you know, hopefully get one person on scholarship or more to send them to India with me and actually do this practice in 2026. So on all levels, like Paula, you've really helped me with the clarity, with the, um, I would say the support in helping me find my own courage to be my authentic self, kind of unabashedly, unashamed, indomitably. Yeah, (laughs) that's really, I love that. So We've kind of been talking about it, but tell us a little bit more about this apprenticeship because I know you're taking on two more people. So just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. Thank you. It's called the Wild Sage Apprenticeship, a Dharmic Revolution. And right now it's just one-on-one clients. So I'm currently building this to offer it as a group and then it'll be called the Sage Revolution. And that's a little bit later on in this year and into next year. But basically, we're working with these sacred technologies, so the tools of Tantra. And I start with yoga foundations, but it's more than just the risks and benefits of asana. It's understanding the energetics and how to get from point A to point B to have an effect that brings you into vitality and your grounded spirituality. And other sacred technologies are Ayurveda, definitely the plants, so bringing in recipes that are either tea-based or making tinctures if you have belly issues. I teach you how to make the medicines to even subtle vibrations working in the flower essence realm and drop dose herbalism because when we get into the subtle realms, we're tending more to our mental and our emotional bodies. And this really helps to affect our, our spiritual growth. So I work with the sacred technologies in a framework that is in alignment with the seasons. And this is why I call it a revolution, because this is where tantric alchemy steps in. It's a methodology that's drawn from the the ancient sages of Sri Vidya Tantra, and it's codified. The language is called Twilight Alchemy. It is based off of Sandhya. So Sandhya is the liminal time. That is between night and day and day and night. So the twilight hours. And in these twilight hours, prana is more palpable. We have these windows that we can affect more change. And that is the domain of Tantra. So Tantra is all about that liminality, liminality, understanding the liminal spaces and being able to put language to it and affect the energies of it. And what I love about this is this is also my heritage. My ancestry is Celtic. I think yours is too, which also is all about liminal spaces. So I really feel at home here. I feel like working with Tantra has helped me understand my own lineage. So that's the the framework is one year we align this Tantric alchemy, which is the earth-based practices. So we first start with the body and we start in the fall with the body when we do that. And then we go into the moon practices, which are all about the mind and the nervous system, the water element, and even feminine style yoga. 
and being able to bring more of that divine feminine energy of the goddess. And then we move into prana, which is the sun. And then we move into fire, which is divinity. And each of these are done seasonally. So we focus very deeply on each section, but it's in that methodology of tantric alchemy that step-by-step takes you through your own kundalini awakening from the ground. So it's really balanced. It's safe, but it's very efficient. (laughs) And we're weaving in all of these things. So yeah, I work with people one-on-one teaching this dharmic revolution. So that's that uh, four stages with the sacred technologies. So tantra yoga and herbalism. And I work with people weekly. So it's two sessions a month. We're live. So every other week we meet via Zoom and I'm giving practices and protocols and troubleshooting with them. And then on the other weeks, I'm, uh, I'm just live in an asynchronous messaging tool called Voxer. So we, we communicate that way. And it's been just really powerful. I have six people right now. I just wanted six to start with. And I do have two people interested in these last two spaces, but, you know, I'm not sure if it's going to fill by the time this podcast released or not, but I'd love to fill two more because we would be starting right in this moon time of anchoring the nervous system. It's more advanced yoga. And um, yeah, yeah. In any way, people should be in your world, you know, so tell them like where they can find you so that they can make sure that they, you know, are at least following along and can jump on the next round. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So you can find me at the wild temple on Instagram. It's the best way to message me and also just stay in touch with like little reels that I'm posting. And if I'm traveling, you know, I'll have little windows. I'm going to India soon on a pilgrimage. So I'll be in Assam and I'll be posting a lot there. And the other place is just my website, uh, thewildtemple.com. My upcoming program, besides this one-on-one, is actually working with the flowers. So I'm going to be offering something called Ignite Your Dharma. And this is a video that really gives more of some insider understanding to these sacred technologies, but specifically working with nature and the plants in the forms of the highest vibration of plants, which are the flowers. I'm all excited about Mm. that. I'm obsessed with flowers, maybe. (laughs) That's why they just bring such high vibration into my space. So we have a couple rapid fire questions. Are you open to those? Sure. So tell us, what is one piece of advice that has really helped you in your life? Listen. Be a listener. I would say when I was first starting my journey of, of healing, I was studying midwifery and one of the you know, as my wise woman teacher said, you know, the best midwife is one who observes and who listens. She said, basically, sit on your hands, <laughs> which I loved. I've learned a lot from that because I'm so pitic and I'm so ambitious and I always feel like I want to fix things that for me, I have to slow down and recognize sometimes things don't need to be fixed by us. They just need to be witnessed. They need to be held. They need to give, uh, we need to hold space for whatever needs to unfold to unfold. And after we listen, if then we need to step in to go for it. Beautiful. Do you have a morning routine and what part of it is non-negotiable for you? Do I have a morning routine? (laughs) (laughs) I would say, yes, my whole morning routine is non-negotiable. 
I mean, I meditate. I do mantra japa every day. I start with chanting. But if I have a little extra time, I actually do body movement before then. And, you know, it's usually yoga asana, just 20 minutes, half hour. I would say, yeah, my non-negotiable, though, is to slow down the onset of the day and have me time. And that me time is adaptive. That the pieces that are really imperative are, of course, hygiene, right? So I want to just make sure I'm I'm clean and brush my teeth and all those things. But for me, what's non-negotiable is I have to move my body and I have to get into my body. So I'm a swimmer. I swim pretty much every day. When the spring comes and I want to be in the nature, I run. And when I'm more in like that hibernative kind of winter mode, I'm in front of my fireplace doing yoga asana. <laughs> so whatever the ap- adaption is for that, but then or prior to, depending on my energy, I always anchor it in a meditation and connect to the sacred, non-negotiable. Amazing. Um, so what would you share as far as books, like books that have moved you? What are you reading now? You can share anything that comes to mind, maybe that it pertained to this conversation or that you are like a touchstone for you. Well, the book that we're working with now for my Enchanting Nature course is the Sri Sukta Tantra of Inner Prosperity. And so I would really highly recommend that because even reading it, you recognize all of the pieces within you that have been a little hungry, a little distracted as to how can I do life better? How can I see the value of other beings in a higher light? What can I do for nature? And so that's written by my teacher, Pandit Rajmani Tiganayat. And it's a beautiful read that's also on Audible. I know you can't get it in like a hand copy on or paperback through Amazon. You have to order it through the Himalayan Institute. So that would be one of my sacred texts that I would really highly suggest. And what I'm reading now actually is Emily Wilde's Encyclopedia of Fairies. And it is so good. I have been laughing out loud for like, Five, 10 minutes every night I read. My husband's like, all right, Brooke, what are you doing? <laughs> I want to read what you're reading. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, we'll share those in the show notes. Thank you so much, Brooke. It's been so lovely speaking with you. Thank you so much for having me, Paula. You too. And thank you for everything that you're doing. I know you've helped me immensely. Thank you so much. And everybody listening, check out Brooke. Go go check out, see if she still has spots for those apprenticeship spots. And then just otherwise get on her newsletter and be in her world. Okay. <laughs> Thank hey, everyone. You. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cosmic Business Podcast. We hope it was inspiring for you. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review for us so other spirit-led entrepreneurs can find out about us. I want to thank Team Podcast for production support on this podcast, as well as the musicians of the music that we're listening to now, Alexis Georgopoulos and Jeffrey Cantu Ledesma from an album Fragments of a Season, which you can check out wherever you listen to music. I hope you have a wonderful day and I look forward to connecting with you on a future episode.